carried a grudge against the actor Tim Roth for nearly 20 years. Back in the mid-90s, who didn't like Tim Roth? He definitely had some heat in Hollywood, appearing in Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, and he was terrific in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead. He struck me as intelligent, funny and daring, manly, but not macho, attractive, but not a pretty boy like Brad or Johnny. And then I read it, a couple of lines about him, probably in the Montreal Gazette. A local writer had come across Roth in New York City. And Roth asked him why the writer wasn't back in Montreal campaigning for Quebec independence. What? Who the hell is Tim Roth to... By October of 95, to live in Montreal was to live in a marinade of constant political talk. Fleur de Lis versus Maple Leaf, campaign signs everywhere, everywhere, exhorting us to vote yes or no to the long but vaguely worded referendum question. It might not surprise you to hear I sided with the no team, preferring not to break up the country, but that wasn't quite as obvious a decision as it might seem. My dad's family, despite the Irish roots of his father, identified as French-Canadian. His mom's family probably qualifying as Québécois de Vieille-Souche, old-stock Quebecers whose tree extended back to the regime of New France. Probably because I don't have the genealogy worked out that far back, but my dad and his nine siblings were raised bilingual, schooled in French, and those that didn't marry and move out of the province sent their kids, my cousins, to French schools. My sister and I, having spent three years in English schools in Mississauga before returning to Quebec, kept studying in English once we returned. Politics was rarely mentioned at family parties. Even in our home, not given to family discussions around a meal table anyway, I wasn't sure which way the wind blew. My mom was from Ontario and a small L liberal who probably voted for the big L party because that was the Trudeau era and that made sense, but my dad kept quiet. Mom told me he was probably voting for the yes side in the 1980 referendum, for business reasons. But I never heard that from him. She may have been right. But her credibility wasn't rock solid in 1980 and would get shakier in the next few years. My sister and I would talk about it now and then, when we were alone, in almost hushed tones, parsing out which cousins or their spouses were likely separatists or which aunt had laid down the law to their family that they had better not vote for separation. Most of the people in my life in 95 seemed Federalist in sympathy. My musician friends were all originally from Montreal's Anglo-West Island or the Prairies. My girlfriend's family had immigrated from Spain in the 70s and were in fact fully trilingual, but didn't seem to be looking for a nationalist movement to latch on to. It was at the hotel where I worked that I had the most dealings with Separatists. Serge, Stéphane, Christian, the other Christian, 
Luis, Alfred, we all worked together in French and English, as you'd have to in a Montreal hotel, and I don't remember politics coming up often. But the referendum campaign was waged in the fall of 95, months after the Great Fire gutted most of the hotel and left us sitting together for hours each night in the office, walking the building to guard against break-ins. We couldn't help but talk politics a little, could we? And it was predictable. The French guys leaned one way, the rest of us the other. Christian asked me if I'd stay in Quebec if the yes side won, and seemed surprised to hear I would. My family was still here, I said, and if it's done legitimately and peacefully, then maybe it might even be exciting to see something new come of it. I meant that. I had no inkling I'd eventually move to New York or back to Toronto. But I didn't mean it enough to vote for separation, not by a long shot. I had seen and experienced enough of the petty side of ethnic nationalism to be wary of what the yes side was selling. I thought a united Canada had too much going for it to simply break into pieces. I wasn't schooled in the notion that my people had been humiliated by Montcalm's defeat on the Plains of Abraham and that the successive centuries were a horror show of injustices perpetrated by kings and queens of England and their lackeys in Ottawa. But on October 30, 1995, with 49.42% of Quebecers voting to separate, the yes side came within about 58,000 votes of winning the day. I worked at the hotel that night, watching the coverage on the little TV in the office with Stefan, going out to sweep leaves off the sidewalk out front because the early returns showed a preponderance of votes to separate, and the tension was awful. The Montreal ridings were the most populous, and so the last to come in, and slowly the balance shifted. Of course, it was a relief. And the Premier's comment about money and the ethnic vote in his concession speech only vindicated those of us who were suspicious of the yes side's talk of tolerance and inclusion. But as Stefan put it that night, I don't think your side should be very proud of a win that close. I agreed with him. I'll be watching the coming events in the United Kingdom to see if Westminster follows through on its last-ditch promises to give Scotland more autonomy. I seem to remember similar pledges in the fall of 95, shows of unity. And I have to say, I don't know that anything really changed between Quebec and the ROC, the rest of Canada, after that fall. My girlfriend was in Ontario then, but watching the news closely. On the phone the next day, she remarked how desperately sad the losers seemed, weeping on TV, at seeing another chance to claim a country of their own, gone. Yes, I said, but... But that was how we had voted. It was the outcome we wanted, wasn't it? There was no denying, though, that the best version of what they wanted was as exciting and fresh a thing in the imagination as the best version of what we already had. And a thing lost, again, when it had been within grasp. There could be no gloating over this. And only recently, reading about Scotland's vote to remain in the UK, did I look up old Tim Roth again, he was so keen for Quebec to separate. He must have been all over the Scottish independence campaign, no? Well, no. He was, I hadn't known, born in London. 
and seems to lean pretty far left in his politics. But it occurs to me now that back in 95, he was maybe just showing off a little that he knew anything about our political scene, trying to rile things up by saying what he did. Add to that, he had just played the English villain in the Scottish period piece Rob Roy, and suddenly it looks like maybe he was overcorrecting to get back to his true self. Ah, oh, I was just being oversensitive. Shoot. Hey, Tim, all I wanted to say was, you go vote where you live and let us vote where we live. And shut up. Pretty much. Episode 49 The Roth Oversensitivity. Written and read by Scott Clarkson. Music by Garner Firebird. <laughs>